Hey, speaking of doing this, I think that this is kind of, uh, I'm glad we had this conversation because I think it's very topical on um, what this show is about. So this show is really about asking questions and sometimes questions can get heated because they challenge existing assumptions and they make people uncomfortable because they challenge existing systems that are in place and they um, they can be costly. They have all kinds of sort of like ramifications, right? That people don't necessarily want to accept because they're like, we're doing okay the way we are. Why do we need to change? I don't, I don't really understand what we need to change for, right? And so um, I was listening to this and I thought this was very apropos. Now this goes on for seven minutes. So if you guys want to fast forward through it, that's fine. But you'll be missing out on something I think is really, really important because this is about um, uh, asking questions for the better of change. And in specific, I think it can be applied to tennis rockers for the better of change, not just in the way we teach and coach and maybe even parent, but also in the way that these clubs and facilities think about um, the way that they do business and the way that they um, approach customers and the way that they think about people who come into the club or the facility. And so this is a, um, a kind of a study uh, that an independent company did with the Hyatt Corporation, which is a hospitality um, you know, hotel chain. And they do a lot of other th- businesses. But um, this little piece basically talks about asking questions and trying to figure out who their customer is and what they're going through and then sort of help them have an even better experience. And I think that we could all learn from this at every level. And so I'm going to play it now because I think uh, I've teed it up enough. Cascading the questions. Hyatt Hotel's recent success, meanwhile, has been a story of starting with a big and abstract question and driving it downward, finding a way to concentrate the energy it created and drill down to impact. The big vague question started like this. The major decisions in hotel management tend to be driven by considerations of operational efficiency. But shouldn't we be looking at them more through a lens of customer experience? And in that realm, what are we missing? A new chief innovation officer was hired in 2011, Jeff Semenchik, who brought with him a strong belief in the design thinking approach to innovation. It started with what I think Clay Christensen would describe as actively seeking passive data. Of course, Hyatt has loads of data, active data that is, from analyses performed on its millions of transactions and marketing touch points with guests around the world. But active data only reflects the questions you have posed in the past. Somehow, it had gone unremarked in recent years that a big demographic shift was underway in Hyatt's customer base. As Semenchik explains, we realized that 37% of our guests globally were women, and that number was growing as a proportion of our overall guest stays. And we just hadn't been paying attention to it. This was a real opportunity to say, well, are there some different needs unmet or otherwise for women guests? And if so, what are they, and how could we address them better? The initiative Semencha kicked off to correct for that has become one of the company's favorite examples of how Hyatt Thinking, its tailored version of design thinking, can yield breakthroughs. Its process begins with a resolve to listen and learn. Semenchik's team started talking to women, many of whom were business people booking single occupancy rooms. What was their experience of traveling? When they arrived at their accommodation on the road, what made them happy or unhappy? In some ways, Semenchik says, this was the hardest thing for a lot of our colleagues to do, to look at a focus area and not jump right into solutions. They had to instead start by asking questions. The remainder of Hyatt's innovation method involved defining needs, brainstorming, prototyping, and testing. But in this first stage, it was all about empathizing with real people and soaking up that passive data and honing the questions that would energize all those later phases of work. 
Moving on to define needs, Semenchik's team sifted through interview notes to find major themes. Two were most prominent. The first was that women often felt trapped in hotels when they were traveling alone. Many felt awkward stepping out for solo meals and vulnerable taking in the neighborhood on their own. They tended to spend much more time confined to their rooms than men did. This made for a lonely experience, and considering that, given the traditional demographic, those rooms had been designed in the first place with men in mind, that extra alone time indoors held little charm. The second finding reflected the fact that most of these solo travelers were business people, who often had colleagues on the road with them. Teams often need to touch base on their work, but it felt wrong to go to a colleague's hotel room to confer. At least two big needs came into high relief then. Women travelers wanted to get out of their rooms more without feeling awkward and vulnerable, and they wanted neutral ground for impromptu meetings. Once the team had defined these needs, the next phase of work could move to the questions of how to solve them. Brainstorming sessions were held, but the planning of them raised its own question. Who should be at the table? Semenchik says that, for example, if it's an arrival opportunity or a front desk thing under consideration for change, typically only front desk people would be involved in solving it. What we said was, you know what, why don't we invite a housekeeper in? Why don't we bring in a director of finance? Why don't we ask a waiter and a couple of external people, maybe somebody that works in a different industry who has done analogous work? In the brainstorming, we really try to get a diversity of perspectives because that's when we get the richest ideas. Now it was time to prototype the most promising ideas coming out of the brainstorming. Which were most promising? Semenchik says a number of questions helped identify them. What's going to be easiest to do? What's going to be hardest? What's going to be most transformational? What can end up making us the most money? We considered a whole variety of criteria to choose some ideas, and then we said, now let's prototype them. The whole idea of prototyping, as practiced by design thinking and lean startup adherence, is that it should entail the use of low-fidelity solutions that improve across many iterations based on feedback from real customers. That posed its own challenging question to the Hyatt organization. Could it stand to expose real customers to half-baked ideas? How could it contain the risk to the customer experience and brand that comes with that? Semenchik tells the story of the first escape bar prototype it threw together, with the Hyatt Regency O'Hare serving as a lab hotel. When his group approached managers there with their idea, they were willing but saw it as a three-month project that would require architects and cost perhaps $50,000. We said, no, let's just go into the storeroom and see what furniture is lying around and we can pull out and start using now, he recalls. They were mortified. But within a day, we had an escape bar and guests just started flocking to it. The innovation team was able to allay the hotel manager's fears by being upfront with guests. They approached guests and told them, this is an experiment. Can you give us feedback? And by the way, it didn't cost us anything, so don't worry, you won't hurt our feelings. How can we make it better? Feedback from those guests not only contained good suggestions, it showed they actually enjoyed the experience of trying something new and having the chance to weigh in. Gradually, Hyatt's people have come around to the new question posed by prototyping and are now engaged by it. How can we put in place the simplest functioning solution involving minimal cost that will allow us to learn? Finally, the testing phase of Hyatt thinking poses its own questions. How do we prove whether this change is worth rolling out or not? Does this really move the needle on hotel performance? Anyone who has worked in performance measurement knows the whole kettle of additional questions these open up. The follow-ons begin with, which needle? Is the right focus on guest satisfaction ratings, repeat business, overall revenues, or perhaps that ultimate barometer, bottom line profitability?
Semenchik says Hyatt uses a variety of ways to measure the impact of things, from revenue to cost savings to net promoter score, and won't rule out new ideas until at least one hotel has declared success and has the data to prove it. To me, the Hyatt story is about the power of questions. It consists of a team beginning with a big, energizing question and channeling that energy to achieve impact as quickly and surely as possible. Whereas across Patagonia's long history, we can see the escalating impact of a great initial question, here we see a cascading one, from a broad objective to focus more on customer experience, all the way down to the tiniest operational details of implementing a specific solution under that banner. There it is. Prototyping. <laughs> that's a that's a lot. That's I know, I know. There's no, a lot there. There's a lot there. Yeah. But you know what I like. Well, that's going to cost fifty thousand dollars, and that's gonna, like no, no, no. Let's just get some furniture out of the back closet, and they're like, "What? We have an escape bar?" Well, wait, we, it's got to be perfect. It's got to be. It's got to look professional. And the minute the minute people start flocking to it, proof of concept. Do yeah, we? Do, I, do we? I, I, of course, you're playing this because I don't know because you're alluding to the fact that we don't ask enough questions in in the tennis industry. Well, I mean, I, I think what you're, I think one of the, one of the things is like, I don't know, you can talk to this from behind the scenes and you're obviously can't, you can't do too much. You can't say too much, but you know, like when you have meetings, <laughs> do you bring in the guy who cleans the windows? I, I, no, that was here's, here's the, what I'm hearing from you. Oh no. Oh, I thought the button was broken. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I agree. I thought that was great when they said, oh, let's bring a waiter in. Uh, jobs are analogous from outside, right? That cusp, the analogy, the analogicity. I was making up a word. The analogy would be that's analogous to the Hyatt would be service industry. Find anybody in the service industry and ask them questions and see what they do. Right. Tennis coaches would probably be better if they were servers at a restaurant for six <laughs> months and then come back and coach. It's required, yeah. Right, but there wouldn't that be analogous, right? Because it's customer service. How's your meal? How's your meal? Is it is it is it going well? How's your lesson? Is it going well? Uh, is this is this what you're are you enjoying this? Do you like what I'm teaching you? Do you like how I'm teaching you? Right. Would would, would you like no? A actually, side of, I would you like I a side of fries with that? No, actually, I don't. I'd like to take this back. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I don't know. I, I'd like to send. That's this, an uncomfortable conversation. Yeah. Like Can this. I send this forehand back? And I'd like my backhand medium rare. I, I, I think actually. that's being nice. I mean, I'm saying like I'm not enjoying you. Yeah. Can I get a Whoa. drink? Can I get a drink with this lesson? Because, <laughs> because you are. But in that in that analogy, the coach is kind of the both the food and the deliverer of the food. I don't know. Maybe that's a. You're the chef. No, you're the chef creating, because you already have a vision of the food that you're going to make. Right. And, and you, oh, you know what it is? Mm. No, you're, this is a great image. You're the chef and the server, and then you're trying to get them to eat it. Right. You're saying, this is the meal that I prepared for you. This is the way it looks. This is the way it tastes. And they don't like it. They want to send it back. Or they like part of it. But they don't like all of it. Sometimes they like it. And then there's sometimes they really love it. So how do you, you know, I mean, I mean, I don't, I'm not sure that coaches are having those discussions with like management and people in the <laughs> club. I don't think that's for, happening. For, forget those conversations. Like, I don't know how you get the data. And how, you gotta get here's the, one though, because most coaches, even though we work for an organization, we are private contractors because we're on the we're unto ourselves on the court. Right. How about, hey guys, I, I have this questionnaire about how I've been coaching this right. year. Can I get some feedback on things you like, Ooh. things you didn't like? Oh, oh. oh that's really because <laughs> you want to know. I don't know. That's really scary. I think that's really scary. I mean, you know, I, I do it verbally. I don't think it's really scary for somebody like you. 
per se. No, it's still scary though. I think it, but I I think, yeah, especially when you talk about the FU Sully lady with the ball machine, (laughs) there's the possibility. But remember though, she was outnumbered, but she was outnumbered. So what happens a lot of times when people want to send the meal back or send the lesson back. Right. If we had talked about this in previous episodes, that if they're outnumbered, that's just because they're uncomfortable. They're not giving the meal a chance. It's like a child that's like, I'm not going to try the broccoli. I'm not going to try it. You're like, just take one bite. But they refuse to do it because it's outside of their comfort zone. Right. But if you have peer pressure in your lesson, it's a group lesson. Yeah. And three out of five, remember we talked about the odd numbers, mm. right? If it's a, but yeah. if you have even number, an even number split that don't want it, right. that's a really difficult class to run because you need the majority to be on board for the drill or the lesson to work because you need to have two that are four and then two that are opposed. Two are going to really try what you're doing and two are not. And and then it's going to break down. I've found in, in my guesstimation. And that's you can't what's break the tie. That's the problem. <laughs> you can't be like, actually, I mean, you can, but then you look like the long arm of the law, like, okay, we're doing this. And everybody, the people, the resenters are well, anyway, but, but those are questions that need to be asked to our yeah. students. No, I think that yeah. was. So in this case, um, like when you want to understand people's experiences, I think the tennis club needs to, I mean, I'm, I think they take in ages. Maybe they take in date of birth. I don't know. Figure out what their demographics look like. Like who's coming into this club? That's the first thing, like, because that's what Hyatt did. They're like, well, who's coming into our hotel rooms? Who's coming in? And what's the demographic, right? What's the percentage? That's what they did. That's the first step. And But in the past, they were basically saying to themselves, well, our clientele are people that want to stay somewhere. I would say that, no, their client, they were, they had a profile. They so knew they the were profile? male business travelers. And so those rooms were set up for male, like take care of business. But with females, it's take care of business, but I'm also, you know, there's things that I would like for creature comforts. You know, it's like the men's bathroom. You always see the difference between the way I've never, I don't go into women's bathrooms, but I hear that the women's bathrooms, I'm always like, they're, they're way nicer. Yeah. My, <laughs> my wife is always like, my wife is always like, Hey, how's your bathroom? And I'm like, dated, looks like crap. I mean, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, Oh really? Ours has all new tile and the paint is really nice and there's decorations up and there's, and I'm like, Mm-hmm. You know what? I wouldn't yeah. mind some potpourri sometimes. It'd be okay. <laughs> Dude, you know, I would just like, like to on. not have marks on the floor. <laughs> like, can you replace the carpeting in it or whatever? I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, could we just not? You know, but so you've got to look at who's coming into that club. I think that's what Hyatt is saying. That's the first step in, in doing this and asking questions and really starting to take this apart because tennis clubs are hurting. And they, they made a, when they brought in, I just blanked on his name. Was it Martin? I, just I can't Martin. remember. Oh, his name. I, 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 see this, or I should have taken a note. Yeah. 37% was a, a growing clientele of or women. Yeah. And, so if you have, you're looking for growth and you're only catering to this men and what they want. Or you're blindly catering to something that was in the past. Which no longer is growing and the growing market is women. If you didn't do those changes. Pickleball. Right? <laughs> no, Sorry. No, it's, I agree. In the club you. I go to, it's, it's pickle. Pickle it's, is well, coming. Pickle yeah. is the fastest <clears throat> growing sport in America. Right. So if you're just catering to that, that you already have your market share, then there is no growth. So if you refuse to look to where the growth is coming from and you're like, no, we're not going to do that. That's the way, we, that's the way we tennis. O- okay. Then but, you but, shouldn't expect anything. But isn't the irony rich here that Hyatt is making money? They're doing well. I mean, outside the scope of the pandemic, but they're doing well. 
they're a huge corporation. Right? I mean, I'm just saying, and they're doing this. But they're not sitting back on their laurels. That's what I'm saying. They're right. feeling the need to do this because they're like, hmm, how can we get, and it wasn't necessarily about how can we get bigger and make more money? It was like, huh, we should really take a look at this. But also what they're doing is that's their insurance plan because what happens if something changes? What if the business tides switch? Well, I think they're trying to anticipate Correct. the change, oh. right? They're trying to forecast the change and actually it's already changing and they're seeing a change, right? I mean, that's... No, it's... it's. Uh, but I don't know if we do that. We say like, this is... Who's our clientele? People that want to play tennis. Pe no, well, people, that's it. people who live in the local area who play tennis. Okay, who's that? Like, little people teenagers middle young professionals middle-agers seniors what sex female female what would are they come how are they you know like i don't know so one one thing i had brought up at my club for many years we want a bigger junior program right so i had suggested sunday nights are great a lot of kids won't do a class i've heard parents say well he has a test on Monday. Right. She has this this report that's got to be due. Sure. Or they have to study. Even though we know that cramming the day before doesn't work, but okay. And I said, why don't Still we... Still apparently the preferred method. <laughs> you know what? I, I get it. You're a teenager. You're like, oh, I don't want to deal with this right now. But I had suggested, why not have a lounge for teenagers where you actually have a, have a tutor? A tutor is there <clears throat> where they can walk around and say, hey, we're going to actually have something that, that's versed in English and math that's going to be there. It's free of charge. You know, can I say public libraries do that? They don't have a tutor, but they have a lounge for teens. Yes. Coffee shops, <laughs> like Starbucks, right, where you can set up or having a, and I'm not being funny, having a ping pong table set up or an air hockey table or crazy, a Nintendo Switch, having something where they want to go and congregate because that makes them feel comfortable. And if they're comfortable, they're not just signing up for the class. And this is something that I think we've- They spend money. Yes, they do. And here's where we've sorely missed it. When it used to be, we used to hang out at the club. Even when I, even though I worked at one, I just kind of bike by stop in because it was your club man we don't have that everything is so regulated and signed up for and the mm -hmm. tennis club because they were you'd walk around and say oh there's a court open can i just jump down there and hit like yeah, yeah yeah it's it's fine it's fine there's 20 minutes between just go hit a ball off a wall or something they don't do that anymore like did you pay for that did you pay for that everything <laughs> is everything is nickeled and dimed and unless you're paying for it there's no reason to be there and tennis Tennis clubs in particular have this, like Hyatt, have a very unique opportunity to reach out, and I'm just using teenagers as an example, of creating somewhere where they can congregate and... So, but you're, what you're uncovering here is that it's become too transactional. Thank you. You just made that smarter than I said it. No, yes, but it's it, become it's, too transactional, Absolutely. Right? absolutely. <clears throat> and there's no, and when you do that you don't give people comfort. You don't make people feel welcome. You don't like, if the bean counters had looked back, if you rolled back the time machine at Starbucks 30 years or whatever, and they were like, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna put out soft leather chairs and blah, blah, blah. The bean counters would have said, yeah, so everybody's gonna hang out there. Are they buying more drinks? You know, they're taking up square footage. They, I mean, are they consuming more drinks? Well, we don't really care. We're trying to make it so comfortable. They want to come back. It's almost like a, a an adjunct uh, family room for them. They're they're enjoying themselves. Don't you see? That's the whole point. Whatever. And the 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 guys who are strictly transactional would have said, "No, I actually don't." And and these there's parallels here. I think, <clears throat> if you'll pardon me, there's a parallel here, which is what you just said. It's because everything has, there's two things that are merging at the same time. One is the transactional nature and two is the um, scheduled nature. So it, we're reaching the zenith, if you will, of our 
mechanistic, pro, uh, productionistic life, which is, you know, I will take you to the club. And then the club responds with, I will charge you for the time. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? And yeah. you are to, you are to go here that then, then you go there. Like we're, we, we were, we were at the skate park, I think Sunday night, Monday night. I don't know. It was late. It was like, you know, eight 30 and we're out there. No, it was almost nine. And all the, all the people were pulling up there to pick up their kids. They weren't there with their kids. Now, look, I know there's people who are taking care of other kids and they're home and they got stuff to do, but they weren't there with their kids. They were all pulling up one after another to get their kid. Did you have a good time? I'm just saying is like, it was almost like a, a mirror image of watching the, the production that the product roll off the assembly line. Here come the cars. There go the people in, they go the cars. Right. And it's like, this is, these two things are intersecting. It's everything is transactional, not everything, but there's a lot that's too much. It's almost too transactional. There's no room for just us and people. So you're taking out the emotion and you're not bringing meaning and people are attaching nothing to it. So they could just as well leave too. Like, well, I could go play tennis somewhere. You become a commodity. Well, I could just go play tennis somewhere else. Like, I don't, I mean, and, or I'll just play outside. Why would I come to your club in the summer? Well, you know, it's rain, it's temperature controlled. There's a lot of cool things, blah, blah, blah. No, it's transactional then. And there's no, like, but if you had created that meaning, well, why, you know, we're in the Northern latitudes. Why would I come to your club in the summer? I have to pay for that. Well, but if you have the teen lounge or you have all this stuff, then people are like, of course I'm going over there. I, what, what do you want me to do? If I'm going to go to like the park. What am I going to do? Hang out on the park bench. They have this cool lounge and they got the ping pong table or whatever. I'm just saying, then you've got meaning. You've got something there. And what's the investment there? And then you give them something other than, and this is, so I think it's backfiring. And when you have a bunch of teenagers and we're just you stick on them as the demographic right now. Sure. When you, when you, when I walk in, let's pretend that's a substantive, that's, there's a, that's a high percentage of your customer base. So when I come out, one class ends and I come out and say, all right, girls, we're ready to go. High school girls, come on out. What is every girl doing? I'm going to guess they're not talking about the latest tennis racket and equipment. They're, and what they're going to do in their session. Keep going. What, what, are, they, what, are, they, <laughs> what are they doing? I'm going to guess they're on a little electronic device. It's either on their wrist or it's in their palm of their hand. Correct. And they're not speaking. They're not talking to one another. There's no interaction. And every, ready, 16 girls all have their heads buried in their phones. Oh they're in a room together. And this is pre-pandemic. I don't want to get into the whole. I'm curious. Thing. Have do any of them actually text one another while they're in that circle? <laughs> they're having full conversations. <laughs> I don't, no, I yeah. don't know. I just, I, yeah. Right. So hold on. So this is this is a problem. Or see, from our vantage point, it's a problem. Dude, I from, see it with a lesson. I, I you probably have this too. When you you tell me, but I see it with the 16 year olds, whatever or whatever. And it's okay. Now it's time for a break. Everybody, go get some water. What do they do? They go to their phone. They, they're, they're, Instantly. they're robots. They don't, they might, they might've missed out on something. They don't sit there and say, Oh, Hey Laura, you know, you were so good at that point or, or are you okay? You look like you, you almost fell. Did you turn your ankle or, or what? It is back so, to the phone. <laughs> okay. So you have that going on and there's no interaction. So if there's no interaction between people, on a physical, and you're right there. What if they could? There was something else fighting the phone. Hey, we could go upstairs and play a game right now. I could get here. Hey, you want to get here early next week and 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 play some Pokemon uh, Shield? Yeah, I'll do that. Because at least you're you're sitting together talking. Or hey, they got some board games upstairs. You, you girls want to get here early and play some Monopoly? Sure. Oh, the tutors upstairs. Oh, there's a reading place up here. There's there's so much you could do to, and this is why I think what's really difficult thinking long-term where we've talked about, we may lose and we, we do, we will lose people for a good five, six, seven years. If they, if they're not like super into it. Right. But if the connection they had was so strong, they're going to come back. Don't you think? 
That's the whole. That's is that the experience of Hyatt? That I, oh the the the, the, uh, the pop up bar, the breakout bar was great. Escape bar, escape bar, and then I was thinking breakout room because we're not teenagers. I got the Zoom thing in my head. So the, the escape bar, and then here's one ready, massively overlooked. Which when he said it on the piece you played, I was like. Of course, sexual assault. I don't want to go to some guy's room to have a business meeting one on one at nine o'clock at night. Right. That's that's creepy. Right. <laughs> like I get that, right. but that's very nineteen fifties madman, isn't it? Yeah. That kind of boys club thing, right. and we don't. And that's that's what that sounded like to me. But I, I we 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 <clears throat> cater to the boys club, but but they don't, and they're doing a great job. But I. I think what this speaks of is this speaks of a uh, lack of willingness to ask questions, to sit there and, and that obviously that's what this piece is about, but it's a lack of, it's an assumption that this is what, this is who comes here. This is what we do. This is what we're about. And these people at Hyatt were saying, they're saying, well, you know, we got to figure this out because this is, this is for whatever, whatever the impetus was, it doesn't matter, but they were trying to figure it out while they're still having great revenue. <laughs> while they're still, everything is going good for them. Everything is, you know, it's tight. It's a competitive market. Obviously they're introducing different types of hotel chains. They've got a little bit lower end of hotel chain because the Hyatt brand has been very upscale, but then they're introducing some more convenience hotels. But, you know, I think it speaks volumes of here ready for tennis rockers. This is one of the things that's changed over the years and music that it's not, it's very subtle, but it's been a very subtle shift. I think there were a lot like tennis clubs. I think there's a parallel. I think rock stars sometimes took their fans for granted, right? In the seventies and eighties. They took their fans for granted. Like they were blah, blah, oh, blah. Yeah, Maybe totally. even 90s. They were like, eh, whatever. They got security and they got all this stuff. And they're like, face down, you know, get out of here or whatever. Or, She's good looking, send her back. Um, but then all of a sudden the tides turned and they realized without you, we're nothing. Without our fans, we're nothing. Cause they were, the record sales started to go away because everything was song based and online. And, and I don't think, and, and it's too late. <laughs> I mean, the tides turned, they didn't nurture that. Some did like you two nurtured it. Cause they always had a U two club where if you belong to that U two club, even from their very early days, I think they still have it. Oh where, no, absolutely. They do. Absolutely, they do. Where you've been a U2 fan for 30 years or whatever, you're getting to go in the first two rows or, or you're whatever. They show that, right? Here's where U2 does it right. And I just saw them a few years ago. People will, when they did the Apple thing, and people were furious. Right. Furious. You can't just give me an album. You can't do this, Apple. This is This is crazy. Screw you too, Bono. You pontificating. He thinks he's the, you know, the savior of everybody, saving the world. And they're selling out stadiums across the world, right? With all everybody yelling at them. But you're like, but you bought a ticket. <laughs> like you're the same people that were lambasting them and criticizing them are still holding the ticket well, there, at the that, concert. There, there's a parallel there. I mean, this is this is the new economy. The new economy is you got to give something to get something. And I think that's where the tennis clubs and the transactional nature of everything is transactional, everything is this, they have fallen short. We're not giving anything. You're not giving anything. So do you, right? do you I would think that. I said, and I just have to say this, yeah, I'm sorry yeah, to interrupt you. You're good. I'm just saying <laughs> to you, I have remarked privately, you do this, you do this, okay. but I don't see and i'm gonna say this so don't get offended i have i rarely see a pro where i go into different clubs come on and i don't know every situation obviously but i've never where they give away some of their time just come by for a few minutes and be like hey you know uh i noticed that you're doing this or whatever and some people may not want that i understand there's but what i'm saying is is give a little to get a little Right. And that's, and, and that may not agree with everybody, but I'm just saying like, we've missed that mark. I think we need an impetus, an impetus sometimes. Do you ever sell your house 
and the realtor is like, you know, we need to clean this up. We, we need to move some things around. So you start purging and, and moving furniture around. And then you look at your place. This looks pretty good. Well, I don't well, think I want to move. <laughs> right. Or people that redo their kitchens to sell their house. And then you're like, why are you moving? And they're like, I don't know. It, it looks great now. I should have made this move in the first place. Right. I should have purged. I, for, and again, here's Hyatt, right? We're going to go into the storeroom and pull some stuff out with instant response. Well, they didn't want to do that. The consultants wanted to do that. Right. And they fought it, but they said, we're just going to try it. Yeah. But just ready. Rearrange your house once in a while. Just get rid of some stuff. Move a dresser. Move some chairs. Don't just your lamp doesn't have to sit there. Paint a wall black. Do something different that changes, gives you a different perspective in your house. I think that in the tennis club also it should be the same thing. Every two years, change your decor. <clears throat> Paint a wall. Put something different up. Don't do it every 10 years. Or, or right. Or it could be, you're just, you know, that hallway on the courts that divides the courts or, or that you walk down to get onto the courts. You could put stuff there and it doesn't have to be crazy. It doesn't have to be like fancy video screens or whatever. You could just put a poster. You could put posters or framed art or something like that. Hang it up of like inspirational quotes or famous people or I don't even values that the facility has or whatever. These are just, they're low cost solutions. Yeah. You got to spend a, you know, maybe a few hundred bucks on some stuff or maybe a thousand bucks, but you know, change it up. And then you can always keep that stuff. If it's successful, put it in the warehouse and then bring it back. Hit the sparkles button. Okay. No, no, say it. No, say it. Okay, ready. Get ready. Are you ready? Born. Okay. We had spoken about in an earlier episode about a tennis concierge being at the front desk. Yes. That's not where they are. They're in the hallway downstairs. Yeah. Someone's playing. Do you guys have enough balls? Right. Are you guys good? You walk over to the pro. Do you need anything? You know, I'm, I need some dots. I forgot my dots. And then they uh, radio it upstairs and they say, or whatever, they text it upstairs, radio or something. Or they just run and get it. Yeah, so, but you don't want them to leave their post. No, no, so no, no, say, no. What I'm saying is the concierge is physically in the hallway. But I mean, think about that. If you want to, if you, you could, I mean, just the level of service and everything. People say, little kids come downstairs like, I'm looking for court three. I can't find my mommy court three. Like, right. I'm right here. I'm the tennis concierge. Right. Court three's over here. It's okay. Right. And that person, or, or 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 he just rolled his ankle, or he whatever. He needs some ice. No problem. I've got. You know what? I've got a little drawer right here. Here you go. Here's some ice. You know, or I need a towel or whatever. Yes, yeah. yes. Just yeah. walking that hallway, and once people start playing, or they can have a desk down there, or, or just checking yeah. in. Yeah. Just that that little white glove service, and, right? And it and it becomes and it becomes, Mr. Sullivan, Mr. Jones, how was your tennis today? And they're like, that sucks, blah, blah, blah. Or they're like, they're like, that one, poof, he's not too happy, but whatever. And they're like, well, I'm glad you guys had a good experience. Is there anything you need? <laughs> right? I mean, I mean, well, you know, uh, I could use, uh, you guys got a snack bar or you got any of those, like, I'm starving. And they go, yeah, absolutely, we do. Right? And they don't have to give it away for free. They could say, could I, should, that, should I put that on your account, Mr. Jones? Absolutely. Go ahead. Put that on my account. What are clubs going to say, though? Now you have a front desk person and you have a concierge person down in the hallway. Right. Too, too much, much money, I guess. Is that what you're saying they're going to say? But isn't that weird that, right, that you're, we want to grow the sport and give them a different experience. But you got to give to we, get. We want the escape bar in the hallway, right? I mean, every, every, just about every single club has the corridor. Right. So they're going to sit there and say, well, that's an annual salary of 40,000 bucks or 50,000 or 60,000 bucks. I, now how am I going to justify that? Or maybe here's one. Maybe you put the pro in there, and we all do a concierge thing once a week, or or for a half an hour, and it rotates, and we get paid for it. We're already there, right? And you just have a little. Well, you guys are more expensive, though. I'm talking like if you get somebody who's more like ten, twelve bucks an hour. No, but we would know, get that. maybe we would get a admin rate, an administration rate, right? 
but at least we're getting paid for something. Although pros, you know, I just, I'm going to say this. They don't like doing that. Yeah, but you know what? That works on though. I know. soft skills. That works on the soft skills. Well, not just that, but it's also a good business development move because people are like, oh, look at that. You know what I mean? Like, even though you don't want to sit behind the desk, even though you don't want to sit behind the desk and you're like, oh God, I am a pro. I am not an admin. But it's good business development because all of a sudden the guy comes out and he goes, oh, I kind of like that guy. Boy, he's in shape. Or, you know, I kind of like him. He's got, I, I didn't know that guy. Do you know that guy? I've never even set that guy. Because these pros come in and out of the woodwork like woodchucks, you know, it's like, oh, there's one, there's one, there's one. Look at that. Oh, I don't even, what's he look like, right? And sometimes they have pictures on the wall or whatever, but you're like, oh, I wonder, you're trying to get a vision like, is this guy a dick or is this guy okay? Or how is she, you know, whatever. I don't know. But that would work really nicely because, you know. Seniors, great opportunity for oh. seniors. Or, oh, I was going to say to serve senior clientele too. Because Oh, no, I'm saying have a senior <clears throat> there. Oh, yeah. It's but so I'm saying like words. senior yes. clientele comes off the court or whatever, and they're like, you know, sometimes they just want to chat somebody up. They're a little lonely, and they want to chat somebody up. Hey, so how are you doing today, Mr. Smith? And they're, and they're like, well, not too good. I'm getting a little old or whatever. Well, it's good to see you. How are your grandkids doing? They're doing great. I wish I'd see them more. Whatever. The point is, like, you have these conversations. You do this stuff. Handsome Jack. Handsome Jack. Handsome Jack plays tennis at our facility. Oh, I thought this was just like a uh, phony name you were. No, no, I call it. We call him Handsome Jack. Okay. Handsome Jack. And I'm not making that up. He's a senior. Yeah, he's in his 70s. Okay. Loves tennis. Right. Five days a week. Trip four knee surgeries later. Elbow. It's like he's like the bionic man. He's had every joint replaced. And he is out there watching videos on his phone. <laughs> he's practicing. He's trying to still right. work it out his serve 50 right. years later. Hey, handsome Jack, you want to be our concierge for two hours a day after you play? Right. You're going to be here. This is your job. And he lo- and he will sit and talk for and, two more oh, hours are you ready after for this? he plays. He could, be out there, he could be out there during kid time, like after three or whatever. He could be there from three to five during kid time. And they're like, handsome Jack, how are you? You know what I mean? Like, oh, good. You know, that whole thing. Like, he could be there for that, too. And and that's how you build memories and connection. You build and, meaning. And meaning for him also. Right. That's, if we keep focusing on. We have to, we have to assign a value for meaning. We're not a What movie, is it worth? We're not a movie theater. Right. Where I people come in, buy some things, sit, have the experience and go. There's no emotional sign. I remember when I watched this movie at the AMC and people are like, whatever. I mean, I don't know. Where did I see it? I, don't know. I could have seen it on demand. I, I don't know. Because the connections to the movie, right? not to the facility, not to the bricks and mortar. And that's what Hyatt understands. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I'm going to say that again. Yes. <laughs> with emphasis on the wrong syllable. But yes, no, I agree. I, I think that there's real, I mean, that's meaning, right? I mean, that's what Hyatt uncovered. What had meaning to those women? What had meaning? What had meaning was they wanted to feel safe, but they didn't want to feel trapped in their hotel room. They wanted to be able to stay within the confines of their hotel room because they weren't necessarily going to venture out into the city because of other concerns, maybe security, but they wanted to have some more than just the typical hotel room experience, but they weren't willing to sit there and say it. They were just kind of toughing it out and dealing with it. And along come, comes the, the company and they say, you know what? Let's ask a question here. Let's see. We, we've got all these people coming. Let's find out what they want. And they did. And sometimes it's uncomfortable because it's like, well, we can't deliver on that, you know, but really are people really that unreasonable? I don't think so. I don't, I, what was their window for experimentate? Was it three months? They said three months. They were going to give it three months. Or no, 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 that was, that was the, well, it's going to cost $50,000 and three three months months to do it. And they're like, no, we're going to do it right now. Yeah. I don't think they put a hard and fast on that. I think they just kind of play it as it goes. So in other words, maybe they roll something out like that and nothing really happens for the first two, three weeks, maybe a month. So you have to give it some time for gestation. Yeah. Gestation. I think they need to, uh, you also have to promote it. 
because sometimes people don't know. People don't know that it exists, right? You got to promote it a little bit. So you have little, I mean, in the rooms, they put a little card, like check out the escape bar. If you get a chance stuck in your hotel room, check out the escape bar. I mean, I think you can promote it at the tennis club. Like we have a teen area or whatever we have, you know, do you check think out the concierge? So prototyping, we're not prototyping different. What ideas. is it? What does a concierge desk take to prototype at a tennis club? Put somebody in the put somebody in the hallway. Get and a they, chair. No, not even a chair. They oh, you put a chair with. Well, a, you want to? I mean, come on. Hi, my, my name is Pat, and I'm here for. And then you walk around and you say, if you need anything, as they walk down to their court, you're in the hallway saying, if you need anything, I'm right here. And there's going to be you got to recognize there's going to be periods of adjustment where people are going to be like, what do you do? What are you here for? And then all of a sudden, we're in a convenient society. Right. I mean, the lines we drove by the Chick-fil-A and the Portillo's the other night and the line they have now they have two lines. I don't know if you know of this. They've doubled their line width. So they've so they can fit double cars in, in you know, so they can double. And I'm just like, OK, people really my, my kids are like, wow, they eat. People are. Eating. And I go, yeah, the nice thing is night one, you go to Chick-fil-A night two, you go to Portillo's night three, maybe you go hit up the Qdoba or whatever. I don't know. The point is like they understand convenience that people want convenience and they're meeting their convenience. Doesn't, I'm not going to opine on the food, but I'm just saying they understand that people want. And so the tennis concierge is kind of like, it's a, at first it will be like, what do you do? And then after a while they'll be like, you know, uh, can you do this for me? Can you do that for me? I mean, when you have people in our town calling the police, and I know I've talked to the police about this, they, they ask them to do personal things for them in an emergency, you know, on an emergency, not an emergency line, but they're, but they're like, you know, can, you know, locksmith services, you know, um, electrical services, changing light bulbs. I, I, I and, can do that for the police. I can call them. <laughs> wait, 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 I'm just saying people want I'm not calling an electrician. I'm going to call call my local 5 <laughs> on the Popo. <laughs> hey, Popo, get over here. I, I got some trash I need taken. Well, I, I the knew po- that was part of the, the point is that, Yes, the point is that people are very highly attuned to want, conditioned to want inconvenience. So this concierge thing, that's just one idea, the concierge. But I think your so team suggestion was good one and why don't you want people hanging out in the club because like a starbucks or a coffee place when you drive by and there's people in there you're thinking oh what am i fomo what am i missing out the worst thing you could do is drive by a restaurant the worst thing to happen for a restaurant is they have the all glass window and nobody's there and there's just tables and there's candles and no one's there. And what's the first thing you think? If you don't know the restaurant, first thing you think is bad food, not going there, bad experience, bad, not going there. Right. And the crowded restaurants, we have to wait. People are willing to wait two hours, which is what we used to do in the seventies. We would rack up. My mom would drive with her wooden racket, her, (laughs) right. Her Billie Jean King rack up and then leave. She would get like at six in the morning and rack up because she knew because she was knew somebody else was going to be there earlier. So they could say, no, 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 this is our hour. And they would wait. They would wait two hours to play for one hour. Yeah, I'm going to actually, in a future episode, I'm going to be interviewing the people from that local club, the Metal Shed, we call it. And oh, good. Because I, yes. I want to, because it was built in 50, hanger. it was built in 53, and it was the first tennis club, I think, in the area. The point is that some of those stories coming out are just like, you know, like that's when people, but why? I mean, obviously there was popularity, but they're also, they built meaning around it. There was meaning there, not just that club. I'm talking in general, there was meaning for your mom. What was that meaning? It wasn't just to play tennis. No, it was the connection with her girls. And they were going to carve that time out. And they'd get there early and they could talk for half an hour before. The waiting time allowed them to converse and hang out and develop their relationship. Then they would play. Then there'd be some downtime afterwards. And then it was back to business as usual with her job or raising us. So... It's not just the tennis time that's the transactional time. It was the time before and the time and after that allowed you to build those relationships. And we, when you. So maybe we're missing the connection. Maybe the clubs are missing that. They're missing the making the mental connection between giving that freebie. 
and building the meaning to get the people to come back. Maybe they're missing that. They're right. Well, that's I mean, why that's why people gravitate towards paddle because <laughs> after a paddle match, you can sit around and have a few beers, and there's not a rush. Right? You can. We used to do that for tennis. We don't Wait, why is I don't I don't know the world of paddle. Why is that? Why is that different than ten, I don't? Nobody sits around the club anymore and has any beer and sits around. The adults gravitate towards they're playing paddle because it's a game that most people can play. Right. With with minimal physical can, effort. Right. right not, not even physical or, or ability. So you can either be a really good athlete and play it or a mediocre athlete and play it and still get the same bang for your buck. Right. But then there's also the social aspect around it because hey, we're gonna have a paddle party. So a really good player can perform and play against someone that's mediocre and still get something out of it and enjoy each other's company around the hors d'oeuvres and a few drinks. It's it's actually a perfect- But we don't have tennis parties. We we used to do those things, but we right. in the clubs, right, you can't drink in here anymore, you're not allowed to, you can't bring in booze, we can't. In private clubs, they can still do that. There's the bar, but those things are long gone. But so the, we've taken out the social component out of tennis completely right. at the club level, other than being on a team. But then people complain about, which I understand, I have to commute you know, for 40 minutes to get to my next match. But that, that commute in the car is the connection that you'd be making with somebody that would make it a real relationship versus just playing with somebody on the court. You need, you need time in to, get, to develop the relationship. And that's not, that's not happening in tennis anymore. Paddle has done that. But, Pickleball has done that. But here's the thing I think that we should also call attention to. It's not all necessarily about developing relationships, right? It's also about just having an experience. Like you can go to a Starbucks and you can sit in a brown leather chair and you can just take everything in and you might not know anyone or have talked to anyone, but you can just feel like you are, I, I don't know, in the company of other people, you can feel like you're, you belong. Yeah. I, if, if it's part of your identity, maybe, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like when you would go to, I don't know if you've gone to like music stores, but like where they sell instrument equipment, but like guitar center, you, you get in there and you're in a world, you're suddenly in a world and it's like, you guys got long hair and you know, people are playing guitars and there's drums and people are all walks of life come into those places and it's great, but everything is sort of normalized because as soon as you walk in there, it's a little darker, it's got stuff, it has a smell to it, but there's, there's instruments, there's equipment, it's loud. It's you hear stuff over here and it's kind of inspirational to some degree. Cause you hear people like doo, 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 banging on the drums or you hear somebody like check, check, mic check, or you're like, meow, meow, meow. and you're like, Oh, this is really cool. Like people are just being people. They're experimenting. They're having, but what do they want you to do? What do they want you to do? Then? Well, they want you to hang out and they want you to buy stuff, but they but doesn't mean you're going to buy it right there. No. You might make three trips back to play that guitar. And they've got it worse than the tennis club. Right? Why? Because people can walk in there. They can do this whole thing. People can walk in there and go, mm, yeah, I like that. I'm going to get it on Amazon. Bye. Ding. And then uh, and they have to literally be like, no, hold on. We'll match their price. We'll do better. Right? Tennis clubs don't have to do that at all. People walk into a tennis club. <clears throat> they're not going to buy tennis time on Amazon. It's not going to happen. Well, not You've yet. got a captive. Not yet. <laughs> 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 right. That'll be, that'll be next. I don't know. But you, but you see what I'm saying? Like we've got a golden opportunity here because people, once they're in, they're in, they're not going to sit there and say, I mean, do people really do that? Like how much do you, uh, how much do you want for that court time? Uh, oh, 35 bucks an hour. You know what? Uh, hold on a second here. Let me see Oh, you know, will you match uh, these other people for uh, 32 or 30? And they're like, no. And, <laughs> and they're like, and they, but nobody's going to do that. Nobody's going to sit there. They're there. They're, they're going to pay it. They might not come back because they're like, you know, those guys are expensive. But the point is, like, we've got it pretty good. These clubs have it pretty good. They just have to figure out how to get people there. And this is, you've got to figure out who's coming, what do they want and start doing some prototyping and some experimentation and see what happens and not be afraid. Okay. We got to spend a little bit of money, but what's the ultimate value? The ultimate value is just do some back of the envelope math. Like this, we've realized, take borrow the Hyatt example. There's 25% of our clientele is this, whatever they are. 
let's spend 2000 bucks and let's put together this thing, buy some furniture, whatever we're going to do, paint the walls, put up stuff, and then let's put a value on it. If we get 10 more customers or 20 more customers and they buy court time, just do kind of a, you know, a guess, a back of the envelope guess, what would that, well, you know what, that could pay for the experiment itself within X number of visits, right? And not be afraid of that, but also yeah. see that it could be greater than that. And you have to start asking the questions mm -hmm. and pick one thing to start with. And I don't think it even costs money. That's the thing of, you can. So wait, pick, I say pick, you pick the demographic you want to start with, Correct. but then you're saying pick one thing that you want to do to help make a better experience for that demographic. Just one and see what happens. And if it gets a little bit of feedback, that's And positive. use existing stuff, right? Pull stuff out that you got. Borrow it, <laughs> right? Like just ask somebody like, hey, can I borrow that from your house? I want to try something, try something. Or, or what about co-oping with, uh, with somebody else that's in a business? Like, you know, hey, we'll put your name up here if we can borrow your stuff, whatever it is. We, we'll put your name. We got this desk at Office Depot. Office Depot right over here on Main Street. Office Depot. Somebody, somebody <laughs> has an interior designer playing tennis at their club. Approach that person and say, hey, what can we do to make this look awesome? For I, these I, people. Right. For this demographic. Whatever it is. Doesn't matter. Men, women, boys, girls, whatever it is. What do we do? And I guarantee you, I'll bet you they'll be thrilled. They'll do the work for free. And they'll say, well, this is what I recommend you do. And you say, listen, we're on a budget though. We'll give you a free tennis lesson <clears throat> if, you, if you can do this for us. That's fantastic. That was, you know, that was, that, yeah, I, I missed that button. No, that, I guess you get a yellow one. Oh, wait, that was, that's, no, but isn't that true? You was have it? something to barter hmm. with. That's, yeah. We'll give you a free tennis lesson. We'll comp the pro, you comp the pro and whatever. We'll give you a free tennis lesson. Oh my God. Everybody's happy. And they're like, oh, what did you, you know, I mean, and then they start talking about it and then they take pride. Oh, here's a crazy one. Now you've got somebody there. They designed it. They take pride in it. Then they sit there and they say, you know what? I'm starting my own business in this. And I was wondering if I could put it on your website and you say, yeah, put it on our website. The a club now has my designs in it. So then customers of hers look at it and they go, Oh, you did the a club. Well, that's really cool. I, I gotta go check that out. I want to, I, you know, I haven't played tennis in a long time, but it got me thinking that might be pretty cool. Maybe I'll go play some tennis, <laughs> right? I mean, this is, but the thing is inherent in the transactional mechanistic, production style stuff we're engaged in there's an underlying assumption and that is is that if it's free or it's it's we don't have a number for it then it doesn't have meaning or value and what we're saying i think is just the opposite that it has incredible unknown value to your club to your pros who are trying to earn a living independent contractors to attract more people to your facility. I can't, we can't put a number on it. We can't put a number, but eventually you can. But I mean, also, don't you just feel better about doing it? You just rocked my brain. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I, again, it's, it, there's so much, we get so complacent with our houses on the way we have our couch and just move things, put a coat of paint on, do something different that makes people want to be there more. And when they're there more, they're going to spend more money. They're going to get better and they're going to have a great experience. And that, and they're going to want to come back and they're going to want to share that experience. And they're, more people play tennis. We're losing people to paddle and pickleball. We're losing people. We're not gaining people. Tennis rockers. You rock my body. Did you? I did. <laughs> you did. I did. That was good. No, this is a good one. I, I, I really feel like that this is something that every club just needs to do. A private, park district, everybody. It just, just doesn't just, seem like a heavy lift. It's not a heavy lift. 
No. It, it just seems like something that it, it no, you know, and, and instead of stop crowing about the good old days and missing the good old days, why don't we look toward the future days? Like, what yeah. could we do yeah. that would be helpful? Yeah. Good to go. Tennis Rockets, baby! Rock on. Woo!